Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace Point Church of Paradise. My name is Greg Peterson, executive pastor here. And I want to thank Katie for uh, praying there so I didn't have to do everything this morning. No, I thank you so much for doing that. Uh, but Lord, uh, it's just great to be together here. It's great to, to uh, just to be able to assemble together here and to look at His Word. We've been in, we're on uh, part four of a series called Perseverance. And, and it's a conversational series, so it's a little bit different, meaning you only have to listen to me for 15 minutes rather than longer. So yeah, great. No, don't clap there. But anyway, uh, I said don't clap. But anyway, yes, uh, um, but we've been hearing tests. Testimonies uh, from people, and man, there are many more in the room, but we've been hearing testimonies from, from people of how they've walked through some trials of life, the things of life has brought them, and how they persevered in their faith. And I hope that you've found that encouraging. I know I have as well. And, but we're also using the book of James as kind of like a little bit of an outline as we're looking at what does it look like to persevere? What does perseverance look like in our faith? How does our faith grow? That kind of stuff. So we've been, we've been walking through, and you've been with us here. I'll kind of catch you up a little bit. The, you know, the first Sunday, we looked at James, we're looking at James 1, uh, 1 through 8 is our is a passage that we're using, but James um, starts off and he's like, you know, he's writing to a church, a young church, actually churches that have been scattered at this point and they're being persecuted for their faith. And his letter of encouragement starts off with consider pure joy when you face trials. And it's like, what? Like we, we wrestled this with, with this question on week one of like, how do we consider pure joy when we face trials? It, it just doesn't seem to align. And so we looked at that and, and how James is writing that, well, these trials develop, you know, call, produce uh, perseverance. And in the second week, we looked at perseverance leads to maturity in faith and that we don't lack anything. And then last week, we were like, well, that's great. That sounds, oh, that sounds awesome. Uh, but how do we know how to persevere? Like, how do we know what things to kind of keep digging into and kind of press into and other things that perseverance actually means to let go and to, to maybe persevere in a different way? And how do we have that wisdom to know how to persevere in our faith when those struggles come and those trials come our way. And, and we looked at the, the verse where he's just like, <laughs> just laid it out simple. He said, if, if you're looking for wisdom, if you're asking for wisdom, you should ask God. Sounded so simple, right? And he paints this picture of who God is. He's a God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And this beautiful picture of who God is, and if we ask for wisdom that he gives us, and it's like, oh, that's so cool that we can go, and he's pointing, he was emphasizing that God needs to be that single source, that God has to be that place that we go to for wisdom. Uh, and then he can use other things, but we need to continually remind ourselves in trials to go to God. And that sounds great. It sounds wonderful. That's, you know, right. I mean, this is, the faith stuff is easy. You know, trials come, consider it joy, right? And then, you know, all you need, if you need wisdom, you just ask God, he gives generously, right? No problem. Good. He continues. <laughs> he, he wraps us up here this morning with a, but when you ask. And, you know, the air goes out of the room kind of thing. It's like, oh, this seemed too good to be true. I knew it was too good to be true. And he says, but when you ask, and he paints a picture of our heart's condition as we are asking, and that's where we are today. So let's jump right into the passage. It is um, verses 6 and 8. And James writes, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts... It's like a wave in a sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Whoa. 
That's a weighty condition here, God. So wait, you know, James, you sure about this? And I don't know about you, but when I read that, there's a little bit of anxiety that rises up within me. Because I, I don't know about you, but, but in my faith journey, in those times where I had to learn how to trust God more in the next thing, there were times where I'm like, God, what are you up to? Like, am I doubting you? I don't know if I'm, I don't want to doubt you because that person shouldn't expect to see anything from the Lord. So I don't want to doubt, I want to believe, but what's in front of me, I, I don't understand how this could be from your hand. I don't understand how you could be working this for my good, like your word says, like, I don't, I don't understand it. So that, is that doubt? Like, what does James mean here? And I think as we look at the context of, of this verse, and also we, we're going to kind of go back, and I know with, with me, you guys are used to this, um, you know, we're going to go into the Greek, you know, that's, that was a joke. If you ever heard me before? But anyway, I had to look it up. But yes, we're going into the Greek here a little bit because there's a distinction. There's, there's a word that we use. We use doubt, but in the Greek, there were two different words that kind of, kind of need, we need to learn and be aware of and, and see how it applies. The first one is uh, distadzo, right? This one is, means more to, to waver, to be, I'm not, I'm not sure of the outcome here. I'm not sure where this is going. I doubt this. So we, we see this, um, and there's this help my faith grow kind of attitude. And there's this word, and it's translated doubt. And we see this actually when um, Peter was walking on the water with Jesus. If you've been in church, you know that story. And that, that Jesus is in water, he says, come out. And Peter is literally walking on the water towards Jesus. And then he looks around, and he sees the waves, and he begins to sink. And then Jesus reaches out and grabs him and says, hey, why did you doubt me? And it wasn't a doubt of like, I don't believe that you're Jesus. It's a doubt of like, I'm not sure what's happening here. I'm walking on water. This isn't normal. Things are out of, you know, I don't know what the outcome is going to be here. And I'm doubting what's happening. That's, that's the word that's used there. It's all, we also see this um, expressed in the man who brought his son to Jesus, who his son was demon-possessed throwing himself around, hurting himself, has been born, you know, for years this way. And the man said, you know, Jesus, if you, if you can help me, I would appreciate you healing him if you can. And Jesus is like, if I can, all, all things are possible with God. What do you mean if I can? And the man said, I believe in you. Help me in my unbelief. Help me understand more. I believe you, but help me. And that's how this, this word uh, is used. But the word that James used is diacrino. And that, it's also translated doubt, but it's, it's a doubt in the sense of judging and separating. It's a doubting, and, and it'd be like me saying, I doubt I will play for the Philadelphia Phillies. I just, I doubt that's going to happen. There's a separation from my life and, and my reality and, and the reality of me actually being a professional baseball player. For, I've never played baseball, so that's one glitch in the system. But I doubt that will ever happen. And that's that kind of doubt that he's talking about. It's a separation of, of my world and another world kind of thing. It's, and in our faith, it's, it's, we're saying, I doubt God can do this. I doubt God can carry me through this. That's the kind of word that he's using here. It's not uncertain of our future outcome, but more it's a question of, is God truly capable of doing what he, what he says he can do? 
So let's look a little bit here at James as he paints the picture of someone who doubts. What, is this, what does this mean to doubt? And he paints, he's, just like in the verse before, so he paints this picture of God who gives generously to all without finding fault. He paints a picture of this double-minded person. He says they're double-minded, they're unstable, they're like the wave in the sea, blown and tossed by the wind, and there's no foundation there. And I, I you know, I, I know people like this, that it's kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm over here now, and I'm, I'm into this, and whoa, that, you know, this kind of happened, now I'm over here, and I'm not sure what's going on, and you know, now I'm over here, and, you know, they're just kind of like a squirrel running around, you know, kind of thing. They're just all over the place, and they're unstable in all that they do, because they're double-minded. They kind of got one foot in, and they got one foot out. They got one foot in faith, and like, yeah, I'm in, but eh, I still want to reserve some for myself. A doubtful mind is not completely convinced that God's way is best. A, a double-minded person doesn't, is not completely convinced that God's way is best. And they treat God's word, his instructions, as kind of like a human advice. It's like, well, it's there, but it's kind of like they would with a human advice, and they retain the option to disobey. Like, it says this, but I, I want to be able to be able to, you know, one foot in, one foot out. I'm not quite sure. When we are double-minded, we, we a double-minded person holds things out to God and says, God, I, I surrender this situation to you. And then they pull it back. And like when things get tough, and it's like, well, no, I'm not quite sure. A double-minded person will offer even God their life, like, God, I'm in. God, I'm here. And then the waves of life come, the storms of life, trials come, and like, wait, no, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm out. Double-minded person asks for wisdom and then they do their own thing anyway. They'll ask for wisdom, and then they'll make up their mind to be like whether to, to obey that or not obey that or listen to that or follow that or not follow it. A double-minded person takes over when things just aren't going the way that they think they should. When they see God moving, and they're like, you know what, I don't, I don't quite understand what's happening. I'm out. There's one foot in, one foot out. And this is this double-minded person that James is painting a picture of here. And it's really a continuation of even last week's thought when he's, he's singling out. He's like, when, if you're looking for wisdom, if you need wisdom, you should ask God. He's singling out that source of asking God and God only. And last week we looked, at, and it, it relates as well to this week, to Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. In all your ways submit to him, to his word, to his authority, is what that's saying there. Struggles, trials, hard things of life, I believe they, they reveal our foundation. They reveal those things that we are maybe trusting in. Maybe we didn't even know that we were trusting in. We thought we were trusting God, but when realities and those things happened, we really see where our foundation is. And really, most of the times I found in my faith journey, most of the time, God wasn't necessarily in those trials. The, the problem wasn't whether, whether I do plan A or plan B or like which direction do I go. The question in my faith was, is he God or is he not? Because there's no middle ground. Either he's God and he's sovereign over all, or he's not. And that's those, the, in the faith when we're in those trials that the question we need to ask ourselves, is God God? Even though I don't understand what's happening, 
I don't, I don't understand, but I trust him, and I believe in him, and I believe that he is God. Because sometimes it takes us, it takes me anyway, sometimes it takes us to get to a place where God is all we have left, to be able to realize that he's everything we need. Sometimes it takes us to get to that place. Life stuff comes that tears our foundation apart, so we get to the place where we're like, God, you're the only answer here that could work. I trust in you. And then we recognize that he's everything we need, everything that we need. That's how I think this whole passage, this whole section of Scripture ties together. Because when we see maturity of faith that, that, you know, is put under trial and we see that we, we trust God more, we can see those trials with joy. We can see those trials that come with us and like, okay, God, you're doing something here. You're revealing something in me that needs to, to go away that's maybe in competition with you. And so this maturity in faith says no matter what lies before me, no matter what comes my way, it's the song we just sung. No matter what happens, Christ is enough. God is enough for me. And I've decided to follow him, and there's no turning back. That's what maturing in faith looks like. That's the place that God is shaping all of us in our journey in some way, some near the beginning, some near the end of that. It's, it's a journey for all of us to say, is God God or is he not? And that's what James is looking at, and that's what trials bring out to us. So the question this morning is, how do we persevere in those times where we are rocked to our core, where we are taken to that place where we are stripped away of all our stuff and it's just God, and we get, life brings us those moments. How do we persevere in our faith during those tough times? And there are many people in this room who have walked through journeys like that. And I'm grateful for each one of you, and I'm grateful to know you and to be able to be encouraged by your story. This morning, we have Elizabeth, Betsy, I don't know if she's formal or not, but Betsy, we call her, um, to share here this morning. So I invite her up this morning just to share. I know you'd love this. You were like so excited. You're like praying, <laughs> praying for snow last night. No. Last time I had to share a pandemic kit. Oh, well, you have to hold that closer there. Sorry. I don't think they heard you. Yeah. What did you, you say? The last time when I shared up here a pandemic hit. And the You're right. We were talking about the prayer thing. Yes, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> Anyone else want to share this morning? <laughs> <laughs> Talk about trials, and yes, yes. Well, I heard, before we get started in this, I heard congratulations are in yes, order. thank you. So, yes, now you're engaged. She's engaged am. now. <laughs> young man back there. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, so for, for some people here, um, there are actually many in the room, and I know listening online, that don't know your story, mm -hmm. because it was like eight years ago or so. Right. Um, so they, they see you, and like, it's Betsy, you know. Um, so... For the sake, could you kind of bring all of us up to speed? Like, there was obviously something you walked through eight years ago that I think many people, all of us, it's one of our greatest fears, mm -hmm. um, and that is um, losing a spouse. And so can you kind of paint the picture for us here a little sure. bit? Of that? Um, the journey began uh, in 2012. Um, my husband Dan had been away on a business trip and came home just not feeling well 
and uh, ended up in the hospital with a diagnosis of blood clots in his lung and in his legs. And we thought that's all it was to it. Um, he had been on a flight, so um, they started him on blood thinners, had difficulty controlling the, the levels of those, and ended up with some bleeding and a CAT scan, which revealed um, tumors in his pancreas and his liver. This was, we were already five months into a journey with my mother with a new diagnosis of a brain tumor. Oh, wow. Um, so at the time, um, our daughters were 16 and 20. Um, we followed up with the hematologist, oncologist that we'd been seeing for the, um, for the Coumadin, the, the blood thinner, and his comment to us at that time was, uh, your life is now gonna be measured in months, not years. Um, so we began that journey. Um, he lived about 23 months. Uh, he died five months after my mother. They each lived 23 months. Mm. Um, he was 52 at the time. We had been married 31 years, and our girls were 18 and 22 at the time. Wow, yeah. Um, that life... Yeah, everything stops in that, that moment. I, I've been there as well. For those who don't know, I lost my wife to cancer. So we kind of were part of a club, unfortunately, yeah, that, that we didn't want to be part exactly. of. Um, and there are others here as well that have worked this journey. And you know, you're going through life. Yeah, your kids are, how old were they again? They were 16 and 20 at the diagnosis. Six, at the diagnosis. Yeah, at, the, at his pay. death, they were uh, yeah. 18 and 22. Yeah, so I mean, they're, you know, you're, you're going through life. Everything's great, involved, everything's gone. Mm -hmm. You know, a little routine thing of like, oh, you know, you might want to get that checked out or something a little weird, and boom. Yeah. You know, now you're facing. So how, how did you, and, and I know that being a caregiver is a, a unique position. Um, you're dealing with your own grief, your own like reality of like, oh my goodness, life keeps going. How do I, what's happening? You're dealing with your own. You're also dealing with your children mm -hmm. and wanting to be there for them and make sure they're being able to process things. And it's unique because you're actually walking with the person who is processing their own death. Mm -hmm. And it is a very unique weird position to be in because you also have to process your own feelings and all that and you don't know how you're feeling but so how how in the world did you persevere through that time and and then even since like you know since he passed you know you're a single in a couple's world you're grieving and these waves of grief come in different forms and different ways how did you are you <laughs> persevering and how did you and how are you persevering through all that well, one of the first things we did is called a prayer meeting, and mm. we just called together all of our family and friends and just gathered and, and prayed. Um, from that, we also started sending emails um, regularly to a growing team of prayer warriors who really lifted us up mm. and uh, helped with that. Um, my children processed the the whole thing very differently from one another. I yeah. tried to walk with each of them. I was also walking with my siblings and my parents because mm -hmm. I'm a nurse, and mm -hmm. so I was the medical resource for what was going on with my mom as well. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I really tried to focus on was to encourage us to make decisions that would leave us with no regrets. Say, that, say that again, sorry. To, to try to make decisions that would leave us with no regrets. Right. Awesome. So you know, trying to make sure our family was together for certain um, 
like dance birthday or, or mm -hmm. whatever it was, you know, to make sure that we spent time together mm -hmm. and did things in a way that we could look back and say, well, I'm glad we did that. Right. Not right. that I wish we hadn't done that. Right. Which, you know, we're all, we make mistakes. Sure. That's not sure. um, perfect. Mm -hmm. um, Dan very much focused on winning this battle. Mm. And so um, that gave him a lot of desire to live and to do well. Um, it also, though, in the end, made it hard for him to say goodbye. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. There were times we could see God's hand. We had a lot of times we could see God's hand, but other times we couldn't. It was, it was hard, and we had to just rely on the fact that God's promises are true, mm. regardless of how we feel. Mm. Um, we focused on sovereignty of God and you know, knowing he had a plan and making the choice that we were going to trust even though we didn't know what that outcome was going to be. Definitely, definitely. I, I appreciate, um, Betsy is one of our prayer warriors here at Grace Point, uh, leads our prayer team and, and has, you know, definitely interceded on behalf of, when we say at the end about prayer requests and stuff, she, her and her team do that, and, and I've appreciated so much your heart for prayer and your intercessory prayer for others. Um, it's, it's meant a lot to this church. It, it really has, and I appreciate that so much. Can you help us who maybe are still growing in our prayer life of how did you pray during these times? Because you, 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 like you said, Dan was fighting. Dan was believing mm -hmm. for a miracle. You know that God can do anything. You Absolutely. know that he can, you know, can do this and he can heal and this would be great. He'd get all the, God would get all the glory. This would be so amazing. Um, you know, and so you're, you're praying in faith, believing that God can, but he doesn't. How, how did you, talk us through your prayer life. Well, I had to look back on some of my um, those emails that I sent out. Mm. First of all, because of my medical background, I knew the prognosis. Right. And you knew the science behind what was exactly. happening. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so while I, I knew that God could heal Dan, I knew that it wasn't going to happen medically, that if right. he healed him, it would be a miraculous healing. And we mm -hmm. did pray for that. Mm -hmm. um, but we also focused on the sovereignty of God, knowing that he can, but he might not. Uh, we saw a lot of miracles throughout the way, throughout our journey. Mm -hmm. um, I, I remember a time we were at the at our cabin, and he just wasn't feeling well enough to even get out and do anything. And I just I said, Lord, we can't get out and see your creation. Would you just bring mm -hmm. something close? And that day, a doe and her twin fawns hung out outside of our cabin, right off the deck where we could watch Aww. them for the majority of the day. Oh, that's amazing. And I've never before since. Oh, seen that. Seen, oh, I mean, we've seen amazing. some close by, but right. not, not for that period out, of time. Be able to, yeah. yeah. Oh. He had a, um, at one point, Dan needed to see a cardiologist. We got in the same day, and he wanted uh, a certain test to be done. They happened to have a cancellation hmm. while we were in the office to do that test. Wow. And there were just a lot of things like that where we saw God show up. So there were miracles along the way. Mm -hmm. We didn't get the miracle we prayed for. Right but we saw a lot of miracles. Mm -hmm. And when I look through my notes as to how I was asking people to pray for us, these are some of the things that I asked for, um, for us to have a more intimate relationship with Jesus, for our faith to increase, for peace that passes understanding no matter what, uh, that we would boldly share the hope that we have, for opportunities for us to be a channel of God's blessing to those around us, 
for healing, for wisdom, for victory in the matter of, I'm sorry, in the battle of mind and spirit, for courage and strength to be obedient as the Lord provides opportunities to share, for our hope and joy to be restored, for us to put our hope and trust in God, um, for us to remain faithful to our calling, for mercy and grace, for the Lord's strength, peace and joy. And uh, this one I didn't send out, but in the end, when it became pretty evident that Dan was not going to survive, I just prayed that the Lord would not make him linger and would take him quickly, and he answered that prayer. Mm. And those prayers are pretty much based on promises that mm -hmm. we have in the Bible, mm -hmm. and those are things we can count on. Mm -hmm. He doesn't promise to heal every person, mm -hmm. but he does promise to be with us. Mm -hmm. and, and he did heal Dan. It mm -hmm. just wasn't the healing that we were hoping for. Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. And I know that um, you guys had done something specific during that time to kind of help focus you and kind of help keep that central. Could you kind of explain what you guys did there? Yeah. Heather, our youngest daughter, was a part of the youth group here even before we started coming here. And that summer of 2012, the youth group was challenged to, do, to read through the Bible in 90 days. That's a lot of Bible reading that's each lot, day. That's a lot of reading right there. Yeah. <laughs> but we took that challenge on with her. Mm. And Dan and I read through the Bible that summer in 90 days. And I had read the Bible a lot before, but I had never done it in that concentrated time. And it became very apparent to us in story after story after story that we were created to bring God glory. That is the whole purpose of us being here. And that really helped to transform our focus from the despair and looking at ourselves to looking for how God was going to bring glory out of this situation that he had placed us in. Um, we started looking for ways that he was working. We started sharing that with others, um, because if you don't share it, he can't get the glory. Um, and the more we looked for it, the more we saw it, the more we shared it, the more we you know, looked for it. So it was sort of a, a cycle that, that went through. Um, mm -hmm. And that, that was transforming for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And here you are eight years later, mm -hmm. being able to continue right. showing the glory of that story. And that's why I come up here, not because I want to. <laughs> not because you wanted the microphone, but no. because you want his glory, yes. Yeah. No, yeah, that is so awesome. But, you know, there are some verses in the Bible that are tough to read mm -hmm. when you're in the middle of a trial like that especially. Um, where you, especially when you get to that point where you can see that, okay, it might be time to start praying for not, you know, that things don't linger, mm -hmm. uh, kind of thing. And, and, and I know we wrestled, uh, there was actually even a song that included this one verse in the, uh, the Bible, and we sung it, and, and, and people were, we got some pushback, a little bit of the bridge that used this verse of the Bible, and they're like, ah, you know, I, I don't know if that's good to use, because, you know, an example was, and this was before either of us were in this journey, was, you know, what if somebody just found out they had cancer, like, would you be able to, like, should we sing this verse, and it's like, it came out of the Bible, like, I, I, you know, I can't quite, you know, but yeah, I don't know how you wrestle with it. Like, it's a tough one. And it's Romans 8, 28. And, it's, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Sounds great when you're having a good day, doesn't it? You know, or when you need that, you know, it's something, it's a verse you hang on your wall, you know? It's like, he works everything for my good for those that love him. And then this stuff happens. How, how do you see that verse? How do you see 
God in that? Like, yeah, what's, what's your experience with that? Well, obviously this did not feel good at all for right. us to, you know, struggle through the, the illness and then his death. And sometimes it was really hard to it's see horrific. that. horrific, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, as our focus changed to giving God glory, um, we did, though, see God start to change our hearts. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember Dan sharing in our Sunday school class downstairs and other places that he really regretted that it took cancer mm-hmm for God to be able to get a hold of his attention. Mm. And he just urged others to draw near to God. Don't wait for some kind of a terminal diagnosis before you really um, draw near to him. Being on this journey um, made it easier for us to share and tell others about God. They want to know how you're doing. Mm. Well, that just opened the door. He'd have salesmen in his office and that kind of thing. <laughs> sure. And they, I think they got more than they were looking for. But. Um, <laughs> Looking back, I wouldn't wish this journey on anyone, but I do not want to lose what I've gained Mm. by going through it. That's very well said. Um, I, you know, I would not wish this on anyone, and I agree 100% with that. Uh, But yet I saw God's hand in all of that, and you saw so much, so thank you. That's uh, this maturing faith, and I, and I don't know, there are trials uh, that rock all of us, and, and I know that that's one that definitely rocked my world as well. And, you know, this maturing faith to, to be able to say, okay, God, you're in control no matter what the circumstances around me. That takes a lot to get there. Um, I know Dan got there. I know Tanya got there. Mm-hmm. And I don't, when we get in that position, we'll see where we're at. But I mean, that's a lot to, to, to get to that point. But it's, it's, it's the faith to say that, that God can, and he will do it. He will deal with it. He, he will hear your prayers. He, he will act in his ways, in his timing, in his perfection um, for our good. And even though it doesn't feel that way sometimes. And um, I, be- I just, I love that story of faith. I love your story. Thank you for sharing it here this morning. Um, can you give her a round of applause for sharing her story? We want to we transition uh, and use a song, uh, a video. We want to play a video here um, to transition to, to back to Katie here for the closing. And it's, it's by Blessing Offer, and I've, I've never heard of this guy, to be honest with you. I came across it and found out more about him. I'm like, this is really cool. And, and, and Blessing Offer is from Nigeria. His, his name is Blessing. I, I thought that was the name of the, the album or something, but it's Blessing Offer. He's from Nigeria originally. He, his, he was born with a degenerative eye situation in his left eye. Uh, his parents shipped him over to the United States to live with his uncle when he was six years old. Um, and they went through Yale and, and medical and were trying to help him with his eye. When he was 10 years old, he got involved in a little bit of an accident. A, a minor was, you know, was a small accident, but it ended up leaving him blind in his right eye, in his good eye. And then he eventually lost sight in his other eye. And so here is someone who, he, he verbalizes as when God wills something that you won't. You know, when, when God asks you to walk through something that you don't want to do, what is your response? And, and that's really a lot of his music is, is really just trying to encourage people to, to step out in his faith. So at this time, I invite you to uh, watch the video. 
Thanks again, Betsy. Sometimes I 